Okay, welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, the Duke Basketball Junkies, the only Duke Basketball podcast. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Peter Rowe. How you doing, Peter? We are here to declare the truth. And uh, we are doing so from a secret guarded location in Las Vegas. It is late at night and we're a little surly. Pete just got knocked out of a tournament and I just got my ass out of bed to come in at almost midnight, the day after the Virginia Tech game. Uh, we're working hard for you guys. This is almost midnight, Wednesday night. We're here for you guys because we love Duke basketball. We love everything that it stands for. But in this particular podcast, we're going to shine some light on some juiciness. Peter, your face is like slightly slightly more red than usual. Did you consume any alcoholic beverages during the poker tournament? A few. I thought so. Yeah. All right. Buckle up, folks. <clears throat> Issue number one. We're not going to go game by game like we usually do. I'm just going to call out some issues. Game by game. Get... We, there have only been two games. Two games. One was a great game. The other one was also a pretty good game, which we just happened to lose. Both teams played great. Yeah. Two road games against sort of... Uh... Syracuse was a phenomenal game. It was a good game. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw some issues at you. Uh, you can react to them, all right? Sure. For the benefit of our listening audience. Number one, Joey Baker? What was your reaction when you saw Joey Baker coming into the game? First of all, I loved it. I abso- absolutely loved it. Um, I feel for the kid because he was probably led to believe a certain thing for the majority of the season. And then, like you and I, I mean, maybe it was just me who panicked maybe three or four podcasts ago. I was like, we got to unredshirt this guy because no, nobody on our bench can do jack squat, right? This guy is a, is a high-end four-star guy, six foot seven, highly skilled. Apparently, he can he's supposed to be able to shoot from the outside and inside. He's not six foot seven, but okay. Okay, yeah, that's what but he's yeah, listed at, but uh, maybe he looks six foot six, but still. He's supposed to be a really good shooter. Okay, okay. Yeah. But we could let, use a good okay. shooter. We could use a he's good still, shooter. He comes from a higher talent stock than the vast majority of our bench. Yeah, he was higher rated than, right. than Alex O'Connell. Uh, Basically everyone. Higher rated than Javin in terms of just like actually, whatever that actually he means. Actually, he and Javin are pretty close. They're like top, just inside the top 40. Uh, okay, was Javin up that high? Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Uh, Bolden, you know, is he a bench player now? I'm not sure. No, but I'm, talking about, I'm American, talking about all the... Just to be fair. I'm yeah. talking about all the other guys. All the other guys, Goldwire. Sure. Uh, Jack White. Goldwire was ranked at least 350. Yeah. In his uh, class. B- Buck Meyer, uh, Justin Robinson, yeah, yeah. Vrankovich. He's better than all these guys. And the thing is, this particular team can use him. So if if I were Coach K and I sort of led Joey Baker to believe that the entire for the entire season he's going to be redshirted, if I came to him and I came to Joey Baker's parents and I said, look, I sort of miss, as, like, I, I sort of screwed up in terms of. Evaluating how good our bench is going to be. It's not as good as I thought. I thought our three-point shooting percentage would be much better, but it's not. We could actually really use you this year. And if I'm Joey Baker, I'm probably thinking, okay, I could actually contribute a little bit here and there if I can. It's possible I could become a really strong seventh or eighth guy or best-case scenario, sixth sixth guy on on a national championship contending team. And for that, I'd be happy to forego the red shirt but it's still to me it strikes of he was led to believe one thing for the vast majority of the season and then they changed their minds which is fine you can own it but i don't think people are owning it let me interject i I don't think anyone's owning that let me interject joey baker quoted after the game saying he was just waiting for his chance he had worked hard in practice he felt like this is something he earned Uh, maybe maybe coach k sort of mind melded him or you know, like uh, incepted the idea in his brain. Complete. That, this was an that is thing. complete and utter nonsense. But it's obviously due yeah. to the Zion injury. No, it's no. due to the bench play. It's complete and utter nonsense. If Jack White's been draining threes all this time, is hasn't gone over his last twenty-eight. Joey Baker's probably not. not I can promise you. Year, I can right? promise you. Joey Baker was not told. Look, you do great in practice. You do. You put in the time. You put in the effort. And at some point this year, you're going to come into play. Because if we think back to all our guys who transferred away. Do you remember Oleg Chiz? No. I mean, I remember the name. Oleg Chiz was the guy from, like, Nevada who won the uh, blue and white game, like, slam dunk contest. He was the guy who was doing the motorcycle. Anyway, Mm -hmm. if you take somebody who is as poor as 
of a player as him, he's still going to get two, three, four minutes in these garbage games against Stetson and, and Grand Canyon, right? Um, Jordan Tucker got two, three, four, five minutes. Like, if you come to Duke to play and you're a scholarship player, you're going to get a few minutes here and there. For Joey Baker to get zero minutes until the 25th, 26th game, that means he's being redshirted. And he was convinced to change the trajectory of his freshman year by Coach K, by the coaching staff. And I think it's a pretty good idea, but nobody's owning it. Well, he's young. Uh, he did, you know, he did play in the Canada Exhibition Tour and didn't didn't make a huge impression. He did score 10 points in one of the games. Yeah. Uh, he, so he made yeah. some, drained some shots. Yeah. Uh, he was sort of a deer in headlights in Canada, sort of like he is now in the, the first couple of chances he's had to score a bucket, but he came on. Like, once you get into the flow, once you feel a little bit more comfortable, he was actually okay. So, you know, they're playing Joey's Baker, Joey Baker's music. He comes in off the bench towards the end of the first half in the Syracuse game. <laughs> this is and great. I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I'm excited, right? Everybody's excited, potentially. This is the guy we've been waiting for. You know, no, we, we know no, we know no, he's no. not going to be like. Yeah, I don't think we can. Hit. I don't think we can view him as a savior. Right, but yeah. you expect if they yeah. do this, if they take this sort of dramatic step, yeah, to take off, get rid of the red shirt, bring him in. You think he's going to at least get some minutes? Well, he did sort of in the Syracuse game. Sort right? of, yeah, but he played forty-five seconds against Virginia Tech. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and he played. What four minutes against Syracuse? And it was how it was how he was used. So, I thought the end of the first half in the Syracuse game was completely comical. Um, I think we screwed up uh, taking the final shot in the first half. We should have just milked the clock and then taken the final shot. But somebody had a semi-open three and shot it with twenty seconds left. Syracuse got the ball, and at that time we had only committed two fouls. So what does Coach K do? He calls his timeout, which he can't carry into the second half. He puts in Joey Baker, and he instructs Joey Baker to foul the other guy every three or four seconds. And I'm like, this is why I took off my redshirt so I can use up all my fouls at the end, at the end of the first half. I mean, right? Justin Robinson seemed, couldn't have done that. Yeah, it seemed like uh, <laughs> it seemed sort of, you know, borderline criminal. So he's played six minutes, and he has three personal fouls and zero points. A uh, few boards. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so it's like sort of bizarre to me that that, that he didn't get more runs. Some and some runs. Here's the thing: these two but games were very competitive. Close, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's just like if if this was his grand entrance, it it, it did seem unusual and uh, very very anticlimactic, you know. No, but okay. Uh, let, well, let but me, hopefully hopefully we see a development. The storyline could have could have gone a different direction. Like Jack White is still trying to. Break the record for most consecutive missed threes. I actually spent a good 15, 20 minutes to find out what the record is. I don't know what it is. Um, but whatever it is, I feel like he's somewhat close. Uh, Goldwire can't hit a three. Nobody else can really hit a three. If O'Connell doesn't go five for eight or six for nine from three in the Syracuse game and two for two in the Virginia Tech game, I could see Coach K giving Baker a little bit more run. But because Alex was so hot... You're going to ride Alex instead of Joey Baker. If Alex had struggled, I could see Baker getting a little bit more run just to see what, what you got because Joey Baker right now is just like a, a little teeny tiny box, a Christmas gift that somebody forgot to open, and you're just opening it up now just to see what it is because he could be good. We don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. It's probably not yeah, because it's right. a little gift, but it could be a great gift. A nice little thing to have in the back we, pocket. We, we don't need that much when Zion comes back. We we did we did. I we, actually disagree with you. Well, we just we need we need a few. we need shooters. That's what we need. Right. And he's a shooter. Yeah, we we don't know too much about him. Uh, Alex O'Connell comes in and uh, has a really big game against Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of his uh, of his game? Were you were you surprised that I'm that I'm, they, they, I'm, they I'm went with him? I'm not surprised. Because, again, a Syracuse zone, which makes penetrating very, very difficult, you need to space the floor with shooting, with shooters. He had a very good game against Syracuse when when they played when we played them at home. You know, he went four for eight from three. Um, 
No, I wasn't. I wasn't that surprised. Um, I still wish he would do more. I don't get it. I don't get how a kid that's a career forty-four percent shooter from three, in and that's not that small a sample size, uh, is only getting ten to fifteen minutes a game, pretty much max, unless they play Syracuse or zone or another team playing zone. Uh, he's just not getting run. He's not getting looks in general. They should clearly be running stuff for him. Yeah. He's the most efficient three-point shooter by far on the team. And he's playing with super talented sort of one-on-one players that draw drawable teams. Yeah. Uh, so him and Cam Reddish should just be catch-and-shoot players. And if you add Joey Baker into the mix, you could have three. What if you had those three guys? Well, let's just assume yeah. Joey Baker is a good three-point shooter. We don't know. Yeah. Let's imagine that he is. Okay. You know. You put those three guys out with Zion and RJ at some point in the season, on the offensive end of the court, it's a bit of a death lineup. You have perfect spacing because everybody that's five out. Can we refrain from using that phrase? The death lineup? It's just a stupid phrase. Yeah, obviously. It's they're stupid. not going to be like the Golden State Warriors. But, but it, I, I actually, that, that's I the actually, dream. I actually surround like those that. guys with three shooters, yeah. at least for stretches. Mm. Obviously, that. That would you know they wouldn't be super strong defensively. I think yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. I do think, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Cam Reddish should maybe consider just never dribbling. All right, let me. This is your idea, but 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 number two, should Cam Reddish ever put the ball on the floor on the deck unless he's pump faked and he has. Nothing but space between yeah. him and the basket for a wide open dunk. Yeah, hold on. Before we get there, I want I want to more on Joey Baker. No, no, a little bit more on Alex O'Connell. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Alex O'Connell. Uh, a friend, a friend of mine texted me, "Why doesn't this guy shoot eight, ten, twelve, thirteen times a game?" And the answer is very simple. Alex O'Connell only shoots the ball if he has a wide open three. If he doesn't, he just pivots the ball towards the other direction. Like he just moves the ball. So either he is not, or the coaches are not instructing him. Look, when you get the ball, it's okay to actually weigh your options. You know, maybe fake an entry pass into the post, maybe get your defender off balance, and then take the three, or maybe take a jab step. If your opponent takes is is off balance and goes backward, then you can pop the three. He he literally never ever takes the ball, sizes up his opponent to see if he can juke him, and then launch a three, ever. When he catches the ball, if he's well, open, he's launches, he right. launches the three. Otherwise, he doesn't do anything. Sure. What he should do is study film of Luke Kennard his sophomore year and J.J. Redick his junior and senior year and think about if you're a great three-point shooter, what else can you do to add to that, to layer his game? He should actually consider dribbling into the, into the paint and seeing if he can come up with Luke Kennard a mid-range game. And that's wow. that's going to open up a lot more opportunities because right now if he catches the ball and he's not wide open, he's not, he's not chucking up a shot. Okay, so in response, just to play devil's advocate, he does not have a really good mid-range game. He's actually a pretty low percentage shooter uh, when it comes to mid-range. Okay. In, from what my I general mean, observation. Yeah. But it's a small sample size. doesn't do it that often. Right. Two, I think your observation is dead on. Like, he passes up. He's only, he's only taking open looks. Yeah. And shot selection is part of the reason, probably why his three-point percentage is pretty high. Yeah. Um, however... I'm not sure that he's a good off-the-dribble or step-back three-point guy. I'm not sure those are really good shots for him to take. Right. Because he maybe just doesn't have that facet of his game yet. I do love the idea that he should look back at film. The coaching staff should be working with him. I mean, he's kind of the, the secret weapon on this team. He's the best shooter we've had since so, J.J. Redick. So it's definitely... And we're, not, we're underutilizing him. By the end of the year, he's not taking more shots on a consistent basis... I think it's a failure. It's a failure of uh, utilization yeah. by the coaching staff. And I and, sure. I, and I want to say, you and know, RJ should yeah. be going up to him, right? Yeah, and being like, "You're my shooter." Yeah, I am going to be looking for. Actually, you, he you know? he did, and and he, and, and I was very now. very surprised because coming into the Syracuse game, everything that I've noticed in the game's body language wise between RJ Barrett and Alex O'Connell has been sort of aloof and cold. Like, they don't really come up and encourage each other after a, a botched play or a good play. But when they interviewed each other, do you watch the Duke Blue Planet uh, little player interviews? 
Basically, R.J. Barrett texted Alex and he said, and Alex had known for a few days he was going to start against Syracuse. He's like, you're my guy. I'm going to be looking for you the entire game. Which, That's it. Which That's sort, of, what we need. sort of surprised me. And then also, when Alex has a great three-point shooting game, all R.J. has to do is just pretend like he's passing it to Alex. He just pretend He flicks the wrist with the ball. The defender has to bite on it because Alex has had such a good game. And then R.J. has a wide-open three, which he hit to essentially put a dagger into Syracuse. I actually thought he should have made that pass, but yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, it just opens up so much more for RJ if he can, and he's doing it more. He's he's getting better at using his teammates. I've seen him drive now and hit his uh, the big guy for a dunk. Let's talk about RJ for a second. Okay, are we done with Alex? I think so. Yeah, I think we did it. Oh, oh, my last point on I mean, Alex we, is we tend to beat dead horses. On yeah, this my last guy. point on Alex is, um, <laughs> I just want to be clear, um. Because I have people who give me blowback on Alex. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he's a great overall. I just think he's the best shooter we have. So when you have that, we should implement it more. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he shot 49% from three last year. Well, so, like, yeah. why wouldn't we want him taking more three-point shots? Like, if you're, Seems if like you're, a no If you've been watching Duke and you don't think Alex O'Connor should be... They should be trying to get Alex O'Connell more three-point shots than yeah. you're bad at math. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, so Alex O'Connell, if you're listening, I want you to be inspired to become like Luke Kennard. Don't limit yourself to become merely Andre Dawkins. It's more likely Alex O'Connell's girlfriend or one of his buddies is listening. and Or maybe if you're R.J. Barrett's buddy or girlfriend. Anybody. Anybody you know, who's listening to us. Every, everybody get the on the team O'Connell. should encourage everyone to, to run more, and the coaching staff maybe can start running some back screens occasionally, you know, from the weak side. It set plays to get this guy open three-point looks. I, I think I think it's clear that the coaching staff and the team is recognizing that this is a this is a weapon for them, and a weapon they really need, you know. But when it comes down I, to it on important yeah, possessions, I, I don't know if that's true. they're not running. Like, if it comes down to who's going to take the game the game-tying three-pointer, with 15 seconds left, guess what? RJ Barrett's still going to be firing up that shot, or he's going to be looking to Cam. I'd love, but I'd love it to be an Alex O'Connell look. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the next question for you is: uh, Cam How Reddish? big a freaking beast? Well, yeah, we'll get back to Cam. But how okay. big a freaking beast has RJ Barrett been in the last few games? Uh, what? You know what? What do you know? What, you said he's looking for his teammates more, but he's also taking a huge, huge uh, bur- scoring burden on in Zion's absence. He had a, he had a monster, yeah, thirty points. He had a, a monster game. game against Syracuse, but it's not like he took thirty shots. You know, it was it was a for him a very very efficient game. And then in the Virginia Tech game, I still don't know all the details, but Coach K claimed he was sick in the first half and was not sick in the second half. So I'm guessing, and I saw some video clips of him coming onto the court sort of late in the first half so maybe he had some stomach um, bowel issues or whatever because he was just he was just jacking up threes in the first half um and then in the second half when he supposedly became healthy he started just attacking the basket and he stopped shooting threes but he is he's been i mean in the syracuse game I nearly fully embraced him. I thought this guy's a warrior. Let's, he's a terminator. Yeah, let's he lump is. in the Carolina game, too. Well, the Carolina game, my only caveat is we know we're going to lose, so it's sort of like stat piling. Well, sort of. I mean, basically, I mean, not really, but in the sort three of. games without Zion, if you include Carolina, he scored 33-30 and 21. But like you said, what, I, what I've been impressed by is his efficiency. I mean, he's played all but four minutes of those three games, and... You know, he's, let's see, 33 for 57 from the field. Uh, and, hello, Peter. And he's 27 of 35 from two-point range. 27 of 35 from inside the arc in those three games. And he's rebounding, right? He's rebounding well. He's averaging seven or eight rebounds a game. I've noticed uh, sort of a stepping up in responsibility on the defensive end as well, and the leadership is apparent. Um, so I've just been super, super impressed with RJ. I mean, we, we nitpick his game and talk about whether he sort of forces up shots, and once in a Which while he, does. he puts himself in a bad position and he could have made a pass. But uh, He's still 
he still puts up highly, highly contested one-on-four yeah. type of shots. Yeah, sometimes it works out. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they go in. My hat's off is to RJ. As much of a pleasure as it's been watching Zion, RJ in a completely different way has been like a remarkable Duke basketball player in only you know the 25 games, we, 28 games we've seen. So, you, th- you think RJ was happy when Zion was out? Well, I think more opportunity for him. Um, I think he probably embraces the opportunity. He's like somebody's got to step up, and it's going to be me and Cam. Well, I think he's just game. The guy who's really sort of turned it on in these last three games from a scoring standpoint uh, is Cam. Cam, uh, minus the Syracuse game, I think. Yeah. So here's what I'm seeing with Cam. Two different basketball players, Jekyll and Jekyll Hyde, and Hyde yes. on the offensive end. Absolutely. As a catch and shooter, Cam Reddish is fantastic. Catch and shoot. Catch the ball, shoot the ball. Right? Yeah. He made a transition three, sort of like on the move from the top of the key. Sort of deep, too, I think. Deep, sort of Shane Battier, you know, <clears throat> throwback. Oh, he was but trailing. He, he was trailing. Yeah, he was play. trailing, and it was a thing of beauty. And it was like... He's been hitting important three-pointers. Catching and shooting, that's what that guy can do really well. As soon as that ball hits the deck he's and a, he starts he's moving turnover oh, inside the three-point lane, he's... He's out we, of control. We've talked about it. He's out of control. We've talked about it, but boy, was that was that showcased against Virginia Tech. Yeah, that first half, I think he single-handedly nearly killed, killed our chances of having a good first half. It's just completely lost possessions. And you'd rather you just much rather see him shoot a contested three. Yeah. Nobody's blocked one of his three point attempts. He's made some tough sticks from out there. He seems to get elevation on his three, also. Yeah, or I'd rather see him take one dribble only and then pass, <laughs> or one dribble only and and shoot an eighteen footer. It actually reminds me of JJ Redick in the NBA, where like JJ can't really get to the rim, right? Right. Unless everybody's sold out on his pump fake or something. Where, you know, he turns the corner and no one's even guarding him. But, like, <clears throat> I feel the same way about Cam. If if anyone gets in his way, if if anyone wants to take a charge, he's just going in a straight line of the basket. Uh, he made a really acrobatic charge against Virginia, against Virginia Tech. Tech. That it looked like it could be it could have been a serious injury, which would have been bad. Yeah, for us, no, really we, bad. We can't afford to lose any of the main cogs uh, at this point. Yeah, but but uh, but when we saw it, we saw he was out of control the entire time. You like I don't know what he was thinking. He he took two ferocious steps and he leapt and he thought he could be like have like a Zion Williamson type dunk, but he we, couldn't. You know they asked him after after that Florida State game, right? Yeah, he got got interviewed after he hit that game winning three, and someone said, "Who do you look up to in the NBA? Who do you model your, your game after? Who do you see yourself as?" And yeah. he mentioned Paul George and Katie, Kevin Durant. Katie, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know, so I think he, I think he's sort of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> he's suffering from a bit of an image issue, but he's such a successful catch and shoot player. He, to me, he's more of a, a Robert Covington, you know, just a guy who knows where he's effective. And Look, Robert Covington is a very, very good and valuable player. Robert Covington making yeah. making fifteen to eighteen million a year. Not you everyone know? can be KD or and Paul he's George. First team All NBA defense. Yeah. That's his lane. Yeah. Uh, at least right now, that should be Cam Reddish's role in this team. Yeah. Uh, and in transition, you know, he can move. He can catch and, and finish. He just his his turnover rate just is just too high when he puts the ball on the deck. And even if he doesn't turn the ball over. His conversion percentage on two-point field goal attempts is really low, really low, like lower than his three-point shooting field goal percentage. Uh, well, he's shooting forty percent from two-point, but if you take out just like the uncontested dunks, yeah, on putbacks and steals and transition, yeah, it, it must be below twenty-five percent. Okay. Uh, so if if he doesn't turn it over, he's usually not converting. It, and but he's convert, he's turning it over or, or committing a charging foul or try, you know probably half the time when he it's as a soon lot. as he gets within fifteen feet of the basket. Uh, yeah, and ACC defenses are, are really really good at helping off the ball. So he's 
Yeah, I still feel like when he dribble drives, he's still going 65-70, and he should consider going 40-45. He'll just be in more control. But he's a super important player because he's such a he's our best volume scorer from the perimeter uh, in terms of catching and shooting three-pointers. Yeah. Because like you said, Alex O'Connell doesn't take contested shots. Um, and they don't they don't pass to him as much. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so... Yes. That's that's enough on the cam thing. Uh, I do appreciate that he is stepping up. He stepping does seem up. more yeah. confident as a defensive presence. He's really like getting after it. So I, you know, um, things are trending well for him. Yeah, minus the turnovers. All right, uh, I'm gonna give you a quick take. Uh, if they never split the screen during game action to show Zion Williamson sitting on the bench watching. Again, I'd be pretty pleased. I mean, what is this bullshit? I don't mind it. <laughs> you don't mind it? People I love mean, Zion. People want to watch Zion. I'm just glad he hasn't picked his nose while the camera was I on mean, him. Show him while there's a break in the action. Yeah. Show him after a play where he gets up and does something. Show the reaction from him. I love but, seeing that tight, tight t-shirt on him, which is probably like a quadruple X large, and it still barely fits him. And he's a great teammate, cheering them on, jumping up. When they're warming up, he's like he's the guy shagging uh, rebounds and kicking it out to the three. He's he's just fantastic. Don't shrink my 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 game screen while the action's happening by thirty eight percent, so I can. It's see it's a been a little bit yeah, it's been a little bit too long. I agree. Yeah, it's a, just a little glimpse here and there. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting production decision by ESPN. Oh, I, I meant to ask you when you were talking about RJ. Jay Williams said RJ is not out of the running for the number one overall pick. What's your take on that? I don't know why Jay Williams would say that out loud. It's just a, just a hot take? Yeah, it's just a weird hot take. Is it? What if RJ scores 40 a game Doesn't matter. from the second and third weekend of the tournament? I don't think it Get matters. Final Four, MOP. There's only one thing RJ could do, I think, that would potentially elevate him. Start shooting 40% from three? No, start shooting 50%. The re- 50% rest of the stretch from three. Elevate his overall percentage to above 40. Yeah. Okay. Now I could maybe wait. See his a overall bit. percent percentage over forty. His overall three point percentage. Like, yeah, I see. What is yeah, he shooting, yeah. Like that's that's actually right now. That's actually exactly what I what is I'm saying. If 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 he can he can if he can somehow get really hot, like our other blue chipper last year, Marvin Bagley ended up shooting thirty nine and a half percent from from three because he got hot. Obviously, he took far far fewer. Yeah, I, I still don't think any <clears throat> scouts will believe it. His shooting mechanics, I don't think, are there. Who's, like you said. Who's? RJ, they, so, but don't even, they seem even, okay? Yeah, but 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 he's missing free throws. Yeah, all the indicators would wouldn't you wouldn't believe it if right. he just got hot now from three. Yeah, you'd be like that guy is hot, and you'd be like, oh, maybe he's a little bit better of a three point shooter than I realized. All right, game but on. You wouldn't think, oh, now we don't need to pick Zion and like sell a billion jerseys and have Ga- game you know, game TV game on the line, one possession in a one point game. I get it. Zion should get the ball, but doesn't RJ have more options available to him when he has the ball? No, I think Zion's a better passer as well. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think that was Jay, anything, Jay Will's point: yeah. is that RJ can do more. I mean, not that he can do more, but he is a better scorer because he can shoot. Of and, course, and Jay Williams wants to say that because Jay Williams' he'll, he'll, game was a little bit like RJ in terms of just. Wanting to be the man, having the ball in his hands, being willing to take shots. Yeah, I mean, I, and not I don't even a super high percentage efficient player. I don't even know if Jay will yeah. actually believes that. He might just say that yeah, just to get just to get that. clicks. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think RJ's in the discussion for the number one pick. Um, hmm. I think okay. it's Zion, Zion, Zion. Like probability. You're saying it's like close to 100. percent I think it's like Patrick Ewing lottery year. You know, come on. Everyone's saying come this on. guy. People are comparing him to talent at the level of like Anthony Davis. I heard I've heard Patrick Ewing lottery mentioned. Yeah, like so whoever gets over ninety five percent that he's the number one overall pick. I think so. Yeah, like I think over ninety eight percent. I don't know. I don't know how to differentiate between ninety five and ninety eight, but nineteen to one against forty nine to one. I'll lay you ten to one. I'll lay you ten to one, barring like some sort of critical. <clears throat> Injury or something awful happening, right? I mean, the fact is, whoever drafts Zion, 
that team is going to go from not being on national TV very often to being spotlighted all season right away in the NBA. You're going to have a guy who's going to, it's going to be one of the top selling jerseys right away. And he's this transcendent talent. I mean, we don't need to get into how great he's okay. been, how yeah. efficient, yeah. how historic. And RJ is great. You know, in a lot of years, I think he'd be maybe in the running. I mean, who was the number one pick last year? DeAndre Ayton. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Bagley, Doncic. Uh, Doncic was actually later. He was, no, he was three. He was three? Yeah. Uh, you know, if RJ was the year Ben Simmons went out. He would be two. Yeah, he probably still goes two. Last year, I think people, the Scots really loved Aiton. Uh, I think RJ would have gone ahead. Of, I think he might have gone two last year. But a lot of people thought that it was dependent on who was drafting. Doncic might have gone number one or yeah. last year if the right team had the number one pick. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I, I guess yeah. the overall point is just that RJ is undervalued right now because there's so much Zion love and RJ RJ is, got dogged is, a little for good. his shot selection and his yeah. inefficiency and it's and despite his relatively poor three point shooting he's still shooting a relatively high percentage from the field which means his two point it's been more field efficient. percentage is, is very good and his shot yeah. selection is getting better and better yeah he's been more efficient from, from two lately yeah and he's uh, I think there has to be something said for the fact that when the shot clock's running down, RJ gets the ball. He's willing to take the the much lower percentage shot. It winds up being him a decent amount of the time. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> the load is on him, so he should be a little less efficient. Like it should edge Just towards keep, that. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's 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 really. I mean, if it's possible, he's playing better <laughs> now. I've been more impressed, not just by like the efficiency on offense, but. Just the like the rebounding, yeah, the defensive rebounding and uh, the assists. He got a triple double in a recent game. Yeah, and nobody does that. And nobody he's does. he's also, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of times he wants to match up against the other team's best defense, best offensive player, and and he's looking, he relishes that challenge. You know, he's just like an ultimate competitor. Yeah, I both feel both like, he and Zion. I mean, they just love to compete. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, like, the success of the team is going to be a bit of a referendum on how good of a leader these guys were. Like, we look back at Tyus Jones yeah. and, and Justice Winslow and, yeah. as, as, like, these team leaders and Emile Jefferson. And it's probably because they ended up winning. They yeah. at least went to Final Four, right? Uh, I actually have examined our team in dead ball situations when, you know, the shit's hitting the fan. We're down against Syracuse in the first half. Virginia Tech... Virginia Tech has taken it to us. We're getting clobbered by UNC. And what I see on the floor is like Marquise, RJ, Trey, Jack White, Alex O'Connell. I'm like, I mean, who who's in charge here? Like when Coach K is not talking to these guys, like who is in charge? It's probably Trey and RJ. You know, like Jack White is shook. You know, he got completely benched in the Syracuse game, which I thought was more interesting than the Joey Baker coming coming into play a few minutes. I mean, to completely bench one of your captains and one of your key glue guys, I think is speaks very loudly for I don't even know what. Yeah, I'm afraid to even talk about Jack White and his three-point shooting at this point. Uh, you know, I was hoping, hoping one of these things goes in every time. You know, just <laughs> like, you know it's, really, it's really tough. Yeah, it's really tough. Uh, Trey Jones, Trey Jones, kind of uh, sort of sort of struggling. Kind of disappeared against Virginia Tech. Didn't have one of those special defensive games that we usually see. The Virginia Tech backcourt played great, played fantastic, played and only turned it over like five or six times in the game. Yeah, total. Yeah, right. And um, Trey had a tough time with them. And uh, Trey's had Trey's had a tough like three or four games where it's one thing if if he still applies ball pressure, plays good defense, distributes the ball, but he's consistently taking like ten or eleven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve shots a game and making one or two of them, which is not good. Yeah, not very good at all. It's it's it's, it's bad. He's been yeah. and he's his been... his misses are bad. You know, like air balls and terrible clanks. Yeah, really early bad. in the season, he was he was putting up high assist numbers. The ball was in his hands more. Yeah. Um, RJ's 
kind of just taken over. The, he's the point guard. RJ I, is. I don't. I don't know if that's RJ true. is the point guard at this yeah. point. Like for large stretches of the game in, in the half court. And he set. never comes out of the game. Yeah. In the, in the half court set, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're missing a lot of the easy transition buckets, which Trey gets a few assists credited for. And this is not a criticism, right? Because he was. No, Early in the season, he was not turning it over at all. Now he's he's looking human. You know, well, he, he still has an otherworldly four to one assist to turnover ratio. Yes, he does. I mean, that's but, that is that is insanely good. Right, but in the last you know in the last five games, if you add it up, and we're, we're cherry picking stats here, but he has twenty one assists and he has eight turnovers. So it's two and a half to one, which is still yeah. very good. My bigger, but, my but bigger not, criticism of him like, is look at his shots, look at his yeah. field goal attempts and, and conversion, and look at his three point field goal attempts and conversion. It's really bad. He had a really good game against NC State, but besides that, he's he's really struggled. Yeah. Uh, he struggled since Zion went out. Yeah. And I there were there was a recent game, maybe two, maybe it was the Syracuse game, but Trey had the ball at the top of the key, and his defender literally moved off of him. Just begging him to take the three. He hesitated a few times. Then he finally launched it and short-armed it. And I think it was right before halftime, Jay Will said, look, you cannot do that. You just can't be that mental about it. If it's open, you just let it fly. And uh, Trey is not the only one. Trey, Jack, and a few others, like, it, it's in their head. Like, wow, this team's just giving me the three. Because that's actually a pretty good game plan if you're the opposing team. Let Duke's poor three-point shooters shoot threes because this team covets three-point shooting. Yeah, in the Jack White, the Jack White sort of losing streak from the three point line, where nobody's really talking about just how poorly Trey Jones is is shooting from three. Did you, according to, to to what I'm looking at in front of me here, he made his first three three pointers of the season in the first yeah. two games, three for three. Since then, he's thirteen of sixty two. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's. Jack, that's, that's like 22%. I, I think Jack White has missed his last 28 threes and is still shooting at a higher three-point field goal percentage than Trey Jones. Yeah. And, or it's close, very close. And he's he's chucking them up. So, you know, he's the yeah. last three games he shot six and seven and four. And so he's, he's three of 17, under 20%. And, like, the two games before that, he was one of seven. So he's really struggling from out there. It doesn't look good that and that was never a strong yeah. part of his game, you know. Yeah. Um, but they're I giving mean, it to yeah, him. I he, think he has to take that corner he has to, three. He has to take the corner three occasionally. He has uh, yeah. to take it, but but it's a problem when you know you have too many guys on the court that don't space the floor, and then when RJ does penetrate, he's going to run they, into more traffic. Right. But, they just collapse. But luckily, he's a beast. Um, so yeah, I'm rooting for Trey Jones. I have one other suggestion on, on Trey Jones. To the coaching staff, even though none of you guys are listening, uh, maybe maybe the guy who's playing the most tenacious defense, practically picking up full court, and certainly as soon as the guy comes across half court, maybe that guy needs a blow in the bench every once in a while, just for a couple strategic minutes, you know, one or two times a half, right? Yeah. Maybe then he'll be more efficient as Down the stretch, as a distance shooter. Yeah. yeah. So he's played exactly 40 minutes in five of the last six games. Wow. And the other game he played 38. It's unbelievable. Wow. That's, that's I did not know that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Coach K does not take him out anymore at all, ever in a close game. Is this the first season you've watched Duke basketball? Listen, listen. <laughs> the, the tendency is, this is the getting first? worse. But the, guy, the guy's struggling a little. So, yeah. You know, wouldn't wouldn't he be? This is the point we make all the time. Wouldn't he be a better player? Should we email Coach Gary again with our with our thoughts? Play him thirty four minutes a game. You know, um, it doesn't fully make sense to me. So we, we can't be too hard on Trey. He's playing his guts out, right? Right. These guys are playing their guts out. So you're not blaming Trey. You're blaming Coach K. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, Trey can do it though. He can do it playing 40, I'm sure. He's capable of, of doing a little better. He's also coming off that injury. Coach K addressed... So, like, to, to come off yeah. the, Coach, the injury and, like, come back and just not get any rest during a game, you know, I guess it shouldn't be shocking that he's shooting a low percentage. Coach K sort of addressed this last year in an interview. He said something to the effect of, 
if you want strong performance out of your stock portfolio, you you just load up on your blue chippers. You don't dilute it with all these little flyers and <laughs> these little you know penny stocks. You just go with you know the blue chippers. I mean that that explains his logic, you know. Yeah, it's Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that that that's kind of all my all my sort of big big talking points from the games. I, we kind of hit every. Oh, the guy we didn't discuss. Two uh, bigs is uh, Marcus Bolden, Javin. Yeah. And the strategy of playing two bigs, two bigs a lot of the time. Right. Um. Also, two, also non Zion bigs. Yeah, but it also seems like Jab has started at least two, maybe three games, and Bolden has played well off the bench. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I feel like I would I, prefer Bolden. I feel like it depends on the matchup. You know, it depends yeah. on on who's on the floor and who they're supposed to match up with. And I, you know, I've said it a few times in the podcast. Teams that run pick and roll very effectively, Marcus Bolden is a is a, is a liability a lot of times on the court. But you don't think Javin is? But Javin can be too. You know, Javin yeah. can be too. It depends. Like Javin has a tough time guarding a guy as big and strong as Jack Salt. Right. right, Javin had a real tough time against the size of Carolina. Yeah, uh, Bolden can hang physically with those guys better. Although a little you bit. saw him get yeah, a little bit. It's I mean, not like Marquise is a beast. I mean, you saw them both get owned by uh, by uh, Kerry. Uh, oh, Kerry Blackshear. Kerry Blackshear uh, on on Tech. Tech. They, so we've seen these guys. These guys are trying their best, and they're they're sometimes just without a not doubt. As good without as, a as doubt, they're opponents. trying their best. Yeah. My my comments on Javin Delorier is I think he has bad hands, I think he has bad feet, and his conversion percentage when he gets the ball within three feet of the basket is still remarkably low. I mean, it's amazing how many times he puts up a brick and gets fouled, and it's it's a spot where he should finish. I would also like to say for both him and Marquise, they still are not poised when they get the ball in the post. Like a, you, we saw that with Emil Jefferson, his um, not his true junior year, but his redshirt junior year and his senior year. When he got the ball in the post, I mean, he could sort of figure out what's going on. He could make moves, pivot left and right, get his opponent up in the air with some with some ball fakes. He wasn't rushed. But when Bolin gets the ball, he is rushed. And when Javin gets the ball, I don't think he's even thinking. He's a little flustered when he gets well, the ball. I think Bolin's showing more poise this year. Yeah. And he's shooting better from the line. Yeah. Uh, Javin, Javin, Javin's either like putting back it, putting it back as a dunk. But he's missing. He's missing he's, like he's, sort of easy shots. Yeah, we, I think we've seen like a slight crum. We've seen a crumbling in like overall confidence. From Javin and Jack White as they move from sort of non-ACC play into the ACC yeah. against you know yeah. against sort of stiffer opponents on a regular basis that play better team defense. Yeah, some of those easy baskets they're not there as often. Uh, I I really do like what all these guys. I, I, I they all contribute on the defensive end in a way that that I enjoy. Yeah, right. And I they don't they don't sort of demand the ball. Um, I think they throw it in the Bolden a little too often. There was a late game possession where, where too late game Alex O'Connell threw it in the Bolden, and, it, and Bolden made the catch, but he was out of position. Yeah, yeah, he's immediately doubled, and like it just went out of bounds. He just kind of yeah, kind of had no. Shot it was a poor entry pass, I think. I, I think I remember that one. But then there were a gets, few others where he he converted two sort yeah, of tough. Tough uh, possessions, right? I didn't like the shots. Yeah. I don't. I don't like the shots. One was he split the double, and one was like a really uh, sort of acrobatic offhand layup. Yeah, with like sort of like a layup from eight feet away, almost. Yeah, with but, his offhand. Yeah, and here's the thing: those shots went in, but I I, I don't love. How it. often will they go? In? I don't love it. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, the results were they went in, but I don't love what that meant for the team. What about the alley oop from uh, RJ? Pretty good, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bolden's been rolling strongly the basket on, and becoming a little bit of a better screener. Yeah, uh, we don't always use the screen super effectively, but yeah, you actually um, pointed out when I watched the Virginia Tech game with you that it is a two-part ineffectiveness in using the screen. One, the screen is not necessarily that hard by the screener, and then also RJ doesn't necessarily care to 
dribble his guy into the screen. Right. So. Yeah. RJ. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's teamwork. You know, it's. Yeah. And we should be a more effective screening team, and we're not. Um, I'd love to see some of the shooters screen more. Yeah. uh, Because it gives you some more options, and then because. You know, Alex O'Connell screens for R.J. Barrett. That's who they're concerned about. They're concerned about R.J. So he comes around on that, and both guys are liable to go with R.J. Yeah. Alex can just float back to the three-pointer for an open three, right? The like, only problem what, is the guy guarding R.J. probably has 50, 60 pounds on Alex. Well, here's the thing. Alex might get hurt. They're often go Well, they're a little tougher on, on screens in the college game in terms of how physically you can set them. But, you, you know, I watch a lot of the 76ers. We, I see Art, J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick's the best screener on the 76ers. And actually one of the best screeners in the NBA. And this he, did, he, he didn't learn that at Duke. I got news for you. Right? Yeah. He learned that in the pros. And it's really effective. He sets screens for Joel Embiid. And both guys, and then Embiid starts running to the basket. And both guys are like, oh, shit. They run with Embiid and J.J. Redick's open. And uh, Steph Curry's with the ball. Really he has screener. the ball? Huh? No, no, he doesn't have the ball. Off, off the ball. Oh, oh, they're both. They both. Neither of them have the ball. Neither he nor Embiid has the ball. Right. Okay. Okay. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, we don't. We set a lot of ball screens. We don't set a lot. Of, a lot of back screens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there, there really isn't a lot of sophistication to our offense. And we've talked about it, right? Part of the reason is when Zion and RJ on the court, we're a juggernaut, no matter what, on offense against almost every team. But so, like, a lot of the coaching emphasis needed to be on other things. And like bringing up the defense, and the defense has been way better, way better than than we started out the years being. Yeah. And so I think that was like a smart use of coaching time and, and coaching capital. But when you see Zion go out for three games, all of a sudden we're not so such a juggernaut on offense naturally. Yeah. And it would have been it would be nice if we installed some stuff. Right, so at this point in the that, season, that is, that is true. I'd like to see some of that stuff come in, even if when Zion comes back, why yeah. not? Because our defensive principles are pretty good at this yeah. point. Yeah, that is true. But in Zion's absence, we played top ten, top twenty, top thirty team. All three teams are going to be in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, and on the road, the yeah. last two games, that, tough uh, environment. That makes it worse, you know. All right, another question for you, uh, Virginia Tech branding. You know, they've been a good team for a few years now, but, like, the branding of their basketball program, the Hokies, their colors, maroon, you know, it's just pretty ugly. Like, should Virginia Tech, like, change the name of the school and their mascot to just something much cooler? I've exerted zero mental energy <laughs> on this. I don't even know why we're talking about it. I, I sort of, I, I actually like, is it Buzz Williams or Buzz Peterson? Buzz Williams, right? Yeah, the Buzz coach? Peterson was yeah, the UNC Michael guy. Jordan's okay. roommate at UNC. Buzz, Buzz Williams, I actually <laughs> like what he's done because when I, – I like Seth Greenberg as an analyst. I like his chemistry with Jay Will. But when he was a coach there, a lot of his teams were sort of dirty. They like, were very like physical, they, they very roughed, They roughed people up. They got some a lot of quality wins, a few against us. But, you know, it always at – the, at the conclusion of the game, it was always sort of like – we could complain about how dirty these guys are, and I feel like Virginia Tech under Buzz Williams is not like that. I think it's great, you know. I like I don't don't really pay attention to the colors, but Buzz Williams does a lot with I just a think, lot less. I just think Virginia Tech could could, could use a better name than the know? Hokies. What are the Hokies? I don't even know. Yeah. But I also don't think Virginia. I don't think Virginia Tech is a great name. You know, like just even the name of the freaking school. You know. They don't sound like they belong in the ACC. Virginia Tech is a bad name, but Georgia Tech is okay. Georgia Tech's a great name. Great okay. name. I don't great know. name. The I basketball program hasn't been as strong as it. it I don't was. even know where you're going with this. When I was growing up, Bobby Cremins was the coach of Georgia Tech, and they were great almost every year. Yeah. You know, we got to the ACC. We got we got to Duke, and uh, Stephon Marbury came in our sophomore year, I think. Matt Harpering was there. I think Stephon Marbury came in our sophomore junior year. Was he there? I think he might have left by then. I think it was Travis Best. Travis Best was before Marbury. Yeah, Travis Best, and uh, was there. Are you sure year. about that? Hundred percent. Okay. Look it up. Okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, 
they they petered out. They they lost. They didn't. They stopped getting top end talent. They have, they have had some teams in the past few years, but like Paul, Paul Hewitt took him to the final four in 04. Yeah, that was I think the last hurrah. Yeah, um, they also had Chris Bosh, maybe before that final four run, but they had some good players. They've had some good players. Yeah, they've had some good players. Was Thaddeus Young? Who's on? I feel like he was. I yeah. feel like they had a Booker. I think I think the ACC would be okay though if we jettisoned the tech, both tech schools, and uh, and just kept it pure non-tech schools. And these guys fucking beat us every year, so I'm bad. I've had about enough of them. I think that's crazy. Yeah. If we're gonna contract, I feel like we should contract with Wake Forest. Never gives us a game ever. We got them coming just, up soon. Yeah, but so Wake let's Forest just contract the, all the schools sort of that good local fit. You know, but they're they're drawing dead in every game. It makes it makes the competitive integrity a little. Do you miss Maryland, Peter? I absolutely miss Maryland. I mean, I miss the rivalry. I really miss Maryland. How could they leave? Fuck those guys too. Uh, probably money. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I don't love playing Boston College, especially twice in a year. Yeah. Uh, I. Yeah. I. I was never a big fan of the ACC expansion. I like the. Notre Dame, I like the Louisville, I like the Pitt, I like the Syracuse. BC is sort of like a weak link, but they beat us also. Right, but do those teams really feel to you like they're in the ACC? I don't even know what it means to be in the ACC anymore. Yeah, it used to mean something different. This is like the old fogey part of the podcast. There were nine teams in the ACC when I got there, and Florida State had been added. They were the ninth. And they had a play-in game for the ACC tournament that was just the two last-place teams, the 8-9 game. Yeah. And it was like... We were in 94-95 in that game. <laughs> we played State. Can't remember, but Cherokee yeah, Parks said, if Coach K comes back for the 9-8 game, we're going to win the ACC tournament. <laughs> of course he didn't, and he lost another close one. Hey, man. Pete Gaudet tried his best. I actually thought a little bit more about... We talked about Coach K given... Um, Roy Williams, the blow-by. I think it stems from gamesmanship. Um, there was a book that John Feinstein wrote, A March to Madness. It talks about the 96-97 ACC season, and it, and it talks about it through the co- coach's perspective. Coach K was devastated in the Final Four uh, when he beat Bobby Knight, his old coach and mentor. Guess who gave who the blow-by after that game? Bobby Knight gave Coach K the blow-by, and um, from Feinstein's account, like he was sort of devastated by it because, you know, like I don't know if he was crying or he was weeping, but it affected him, you know. And I feel like if Coach K is such a fierce competitor, if he knows that that could have that kind of impact on him, he's going to unleash that on other coaches. You think Roy Williams cried after beating us by 20 in Cameron? I definitely don't think he cried, but I guess I does cry a lot. He <laughs> cries when the season's over, and I love that about him. Um, but I feel like Coach K just uses that as part of his arsenal in terms of like gamesmanship and one upping other coaches. Something to think about. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what else we got, Peter? We got two cupcakes coming up. We got Miami, who has, I believe, four wins in conference, and then. Wake Forest, which has three wins in conference, and then the season finale at UNC. Um, I, I I have read a few things here and there about, let's say we lose at UNC, and let's say we go one and one in the ACC tournament. Now we have six losses. It could knock us off the one seed line. Uh, I would, can see it. Yeah. But, but it would be sort of comical because Kentucky might be a one seed, and Virginia is gonna definitely going to be a one seed, and we beat... We beat Virginia twice, and we destroyed Kentucky. But if they yeah, factor in current very, form very and everything. Early, early, early in the season. I think we're going to get a bit of a... You know, we'll get the benefit not, of the doubt if, if we only have one more loss. Yeah, well, I think I think because Zion was out for the last three games, we lost two of them. Plus, we have so many quality wins. Yeah, if Zion comes back, a lot of times they'll take they'll take a big injury like that into, into account. But I still think we're a, we're clearly a one seed currently. Um, you know, basically against like top ten competition, we have a winning record. We have more quality, more huge wins against than anybody. So yeah, that's actually not against, true. Two wins against Virginia. Virginia is eight and two. We are seven and three against top ranked 10. teams. Against ranked teams. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, they haven't played. They didn't play Kentucky. 
They didn't play Gonzaga. They like, played a lot of other really they good played schools. Top twenty-five yeah. teams. Yeah. But not top five teams, right? We've had a, a really big schedule. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Virginia, uh, Kentucky was ranked two when we played them. Gonzaga was ranked three. Yep. Texas, Texas Tech. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to fudge it to make it look like they, they're doing better than we are, and it's fair. Uh, Virginia had, definitely is season. doing better than we are. They've had a great season. Let's just get they're, that straight. Virginia's resume. They're 25-0 and 0 in games where they didn't play Duke. Yeah. They are... Not and they're really good. They're yeah. really, really good. Uh, ACC we can't regular win. season championship. We cannot win again. Well, it's going to be like ten. Win. It's going to be beat, ten years. If we beat Carolina, if okay. we win the next two games, we're going to be fifteen and three. Mm-hmm. Carolina at best could be fifteen and three. Okay, I don't know and how that tiebreaker works. UVA uh, is not going to lose. UVA is thirteen and two. I don't think they do a tiebreaker. I mean, if you tie. It just ends up as a tie. You both, yeah, you both get a share. I okay. Think. Uh, Thirteen and two. Uh, if they win the last three, they win the ACs. They have two semi-tough games. They play home against Pitt, which they're probably going to win. At Syracuse, which is a, definitely a test, and then home against Louisville. Um, it's it's not just that they're winning; they're holding ranked teams, very good teams, to fifteen and twenty points in a half. They are always composed. They never give the ball away. They take high percentage shots. They make 40, 45, 50% of their threes. They slow the game down. I don't know why they don't do one in the NCAAs. But this team's good. I, I really year, hope yeah. we play them four times this year. That would be that would be great. Yeah, it's not too likely, but it's certainly possible. Uh, and Virginia Tech, by the way, is a really good team, you know, yeah, we already I, took our hats off yeah, to them. I wasn't that upset with the loss. They played great. They shot great. We played great also. We shot 50%. Um, it's not like we gave it away. It was just a really good game, and they and they beat us. And we didn't have Zion. I'm not overly concerned. I think, yeah. I think our ceiling is higher than any other ceilings, but I feel like there are a handful of teams whose floor is higher than ours because – our standard deviation or our variance is so high based on our three-point shooting percentage. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's really well said. Yeah. Higher ceiling, lower floor. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that's it for this week. We've talked enough about... Yeah. We got everything off our chest. Very yeah. cathartic. It was nice. Joey Baker, good luck. Yeah, let's see some Joey Baker. Alex against... O'Connell, good luck. Yeah, let's see. Let's see some uh, some Joe Baker against Miami and Wake Forest. Let's let's get our value out of his uh, his freshman his, year, his roster spot. <laughs> and uh, we just, we don't know if Zion is uh, coming back. We're saying he's day to day. He's now missed a week since UNC. No, uh, it's been longer. Got, it's been longer than that, right? UNC was a Tuesday night. It's Thursday night now. Okay. So yeah, it's, it? okay. Uh, okay. It's, yeah, it's been nine days. There's still two more days yeah. until. Well, I said it's Thursday. It's Wednesday night. It's just past midnight. But, yeah. Uh, so you know, two or three more days till the uh, Miami game at home. There's only two home games left. That means senior night is against Wake Forest. Do we have any seniors, Peter? We have one senior. What's his name? Who's, who's his, senior? his father played in the NBA. Uh, Justin Robinson is a no, senior? No, he is not. He should be a senior. He's sure? a redshirt junior. Uh, we have Brookmeyer or somebody who's a senior. No. Brent, Brent yeah. Ambassador is a senior. Oh, okay. We have two and, seniors. Uh, Vrankovich. Antonio Vrankovich's dad, I Are believe, played in the NBA. No, we don't do that. That's a UNC thing. I mean, we're playing Wake Forest. Maybe they can do it. I love seeing that Jack Ma, that Asian kid, start for UNC last year for four minutes. That was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think we should do it. Should we do it? I don't know. Coach K values winning too much. That's why he gives people the blow by. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we're gonna do some more winning. Uh, hopefully we'll win these last three games. I really, really want to go into Carolina and get some revenge. But I don't want to overlook Miami or Wake. Miami's the game that that actually I'm a little, little more scared of just because they have athletes. They have athletes, but we also might not have Zion. But at home, I like our, I like our chances. I think we're gonna roll. Uh, and the next two, and I, th- I think we are going to, Zion's going to come back for that UNC game, hopefully. And uh, I mean, hopefully he, he's able damage. to come back for 
Wake just to ease his way into it before we play a stiff opponent. Yeah, I was hoping at halftime against Virginia Tech he might just suit up. But uh, no. they, they obviously are being careful with them for good reason. Yeah. We don't want them to, to rush back and jeopardize anything. Okay, uh, over now. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Go Duke. <laughs>